Welcome everyone to Lessons with Mike. Today is part one of a special two-parter I'm doing where we talk about Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. So for this part one, we're going to be talking with a resident of Florida who is a big fan of Ron DeSantis. Please welcome back again for the third time, Mr. Indigo. Oh, hey, it's me. Yeah, it's you. <laughs> I, I couldn't tell if that was like a thinly veiled Taylor Swift reference. Oh, no. More more on the lines of Super Mario, but okay. <laughs> okay, okay. So this is just going to be, for those of you who listen to this regularly, you know, politically, I am all over the place. I have some views that could be described as very fringe left, and I have some views that could be described as very fringe right. I don't really fit in to the typical spectrum. So, But for these two episodes, I'm going to try as hard as I can. And I know it's impossible to get rid of all bias, but I'm going to try and get rid of most of it. So I will say it is kind of frustrating, actually. (laughs) You're like trying to peg somebody like where they stand and like they're everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) You can't put me on that compass. Uh, Is he over here? Is he over here? Who knows? But you, you're free to be as political as you'd like. No tricks, no gotcha questions. I'm going to be asking these same questions in part two, where I speak to someone from Florida who's very much against DeSantis. So stay tuned for that. But anyway, I'd like you to start off by giving like a brief background of yourself and your political background. All right. So I I think, you know, like like I've said before, I like these interviews because I do get to talk about these things more. I mean, I do on Twitter to some degree, but in my YouTube, I I stay away from politics. Mm -hmm. Um, So the thing is, I'm actually very conservative, uh, but I'm a former super liberal, like crazy, crazy left liberal. And I voted for Obama the first time. So there was like kind of a shift over the years where I don't know, in, in my opinion, this is what happens. I, I grew up. I saw a little bit more of how the real world works. I had a little bit better grasp of government and civics and the Constitution and what it really is supposed to mean to us. And the more I grasped those things, the more right leaning I became. Mm-hmm. And then basically after Obama's second term, where I didn't vote for him, I didn't vote for anybody because I was like, screw all of them. Um, I basically was kind of looking for somebody that was outside the box, outside the establishment. You, you know, like we were talking about, like you get tired of like all these politicians, crony people everywhere. And well, Donald Trump was that guy. You know, I kind of liked Ted Cruz. I actually really liked Ted Cruz on a, like an intellectual level. And, but, Donald Trump was doing that thing that Trump does where he just like attacks everybody and is kind of outlandish and talks about the swamp and all that kind of stuff. And it, there was definitely an appeal to that where you go, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of tired of all these, this big government and all these people just entrenched in it and all these politicians talking out the side of their mouth, trying to say things nice to me. And then they don't go do anything. So there was a lot of reason if you were a disgruntled, you know, uh, voter at that time, whether you had previously been Democrat or a Republican or whatever to look at Trump and go, you know, I'll, I'll give this guy a shot. You know, he's, he did have some policy ideas I liked. Um, but yeah, when he got in, it was kind of nice. Cause for me, for a couple of years, I didn't have to, I didn't actually pay a ton of attention to politics. Cause I just figured, you know what? He's probably just doing stuff. That's good for me. And the economy was booming. I was working, making lots of money. So there wasn't much to worry about, but over time, the, the flaws of a character really start to show. And even though I was still kind of on team Trump for the longest time, 2020 happened. And then leading up to the 2022 elections, I started to see some cracks. I was like, you know, I feel like Trump is supposed to be putting more into the people he's pushing for the midterms. This is not his election. It's them. And there was some rumblings you know, that, well, you know, maybe DeSantis could be coming along. And I, as a Florida resident who got to benefit from his leadership for the last four years, or well, at this point, almost four years, um, got to benefit from his leadership through COVID and ensuring my freedoms and all that. I started to be like, you know, if DeSantis ran, I really couldn't hold it against him. And then Trump started saying some things that really upset me. I'm like, wait, why are you attacking this guy? You know, because he's extremely popular on our side. And he's done incredible things for our side. And you're going to come out and start bad-mouthing him. And it, it was like at basically at that point that I was like, done. I was like, this is counterproductive. You're harming everything we're trying to do here. <laughs> so anyways, and then from that point on, pretty much, 
um, I, I feel like more and more my eyes kind of open to like how Trump was and what he did or didn't actually do for us. And that was kind of the end. Let me tell you, I will say that I feel like most every everyone, most everyone, regardless if you love Trump or hate Trump, most of us can see that he is a very self-focused person. Right. And even if even people who vote for him to a degree are aware of this, like, oh, we love Trump because he's himself. We love Trump because he's Trump. But very similar to what you said, it doesn't make a lot of sense for him to be saying all these because some of the things he says are completely obviously obviously untrue. Mm -hmm. One thing I remember him saying about DeSantis was that he used the FBI to steal the election so he could win. (laughs) That was just the third thing. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like you said, we, I think we always knew like even from the very beginning, it was, it was kind of a a draw to Trump. He's very self-centered. He's doing these things, you know, and, and you knew it was about him. But at the time you were willing to accept it because at it seemed like his direction aligned with my direction. So I was like willing to overlook character flaws and the self-centeredness and all these other things because yeah, but at least he's pushing the direction I want to go. And so that, but of course that ended up diverging. So I was much younger when Trump was first coming around. I, that was actually the first election I was old enough to vote in was 2016. Oh, Okay. Yeah, I'm a child, I know. So you didn't get to be a disappointed Obama. <laughs> I, I, I know, I missed out on disappoint. I, now I'm a disappointed Biden voter. So. There you go. <laughs> um, but um, I was a big fan of him when he first came out, and I was just fresh out of high school. I was like, oh, we got to go vote for Trump, make America great again, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then very similar, but kind of the opposite of what happened to you, I became more involved because in here where I'm from in a small rural North Carolina area, everyone at that time was voting for Trump. All my family was voting for Trump. All my friends were, and I was like, well, everyone else is doing this. I'm just now 18. I guess I'll, I guess that's who I'm backing this time. Right. Yeah. But then as you do your own research, you figure out what your own views are. And like with any person, your views change over time and they grow as you take on new information. And they should grow. Anyone who says, oh, my, I've believed this way for 40 years. I'm never going to change. It's like, well, no, please be open to change. <laughs> no, <laughs> oh, like, no, I definitely agree. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Good, good. But now let's I don't want to get too heavy into Trump early on. But so let's mm-hmm. shift over to uh, to Ron DeSantis uh, as briefly as you can in a few sentences or a few words. How would you describe him? Courageous, driven and intelligent like if i was to use three words okay and were did you vote for him both times uh i at the the first one i really wasn't involved in things so much then no okay but definitely the the second time (laughs) yeah at that time i was uh kind of fresh to being back in florida so i wasn't like i was like oh cool cool republican governor again you know i I was hoping that you know we didn't get gillum but um we had when I first came back, we, we had Rick Scott who was, um, I don't want to say bad. Any kind of, he's kind of a pedestrian, you know, Republican governor, uh, as is pretty typical, did a decent job. Uh, there was a major hurricane that blew through in 2017 hurricane Irma, which was like a month or two after I got back. So that was a fun welcoming. And I felt like he handled that really well. So, but I didn't really know what the political, um, climate was here at that time. So I wasn't super involved. So with what you said, the whole courageous, intelligent thing. Now, for those of you who don't know, Ron DeSantis has a little bit of a military background. I'm not too familiar with that. Uh, I've seen conflicting reports about some of the stuff he did that I don't want to get into without doing my own research. But with the intelligence thing, you have to be smart to turn a swing state that goes back and forth plus or minus half a point in just four years you somehow turn that into a plus 20 point advantage for your side. There has to be some level of intelligence beyond that. So anyone who's listening and thinking he's stupid or not sure of what these people, even if you disagree with them, they know what they're doing. If, if they're able to do something, you can't argue with those results. Florida in 2018, I, I believe it was, he won the election by very close margin. It was something like 30,000 votes or something like that. <laughs> Incredibly close. And then flashback to just last year, 
wins by close to 20 points. Yeah, it was uh, it was like a difference. It was like 1.5 million or 2 million, somewhere in that range. It was it was over a million votes his direction. <laughs> so with that there, you can tell that even if you're not a fan of him, many people that live in Florida are very receptive towards his policies and what he is saying. Yeah, he currently it's like 59%, everybody around 60% approval rating. It's it's gone up, you know, it's it's not like since his election it's gone down or anything like that. And I think the biggest thing uh people see as a threat, especially if they're on the we're, we're talking about Trump again, but like he he won groups that a Republican doesn't typically win by the margins he does. Hispanics, women, suburban voters, you know, educated, non-educated, things like that. So across the spectrum, he was able to rally people to his his cause. Mm -hmm. And that says something about him as a person that he's able to bring all these different coalitions together. Um, a lot of attack ads against him lately have been, oh, he's not a charismatic person. Oh, he's a little awkward. They're not really attacks on policy because, like I said earlier, regardless of if you agree with the policies or not, the evidence indicates that they are popular policies. So they're resorting to attacking him based on his personality or based on select awkward moments. Like if you're following someone around all day and filming them constantly, they're they're going to have an awkward moment. That's just oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So by taking and I'm sure you've seen the clips, too. Oh, he laughed a little too hard or. or he yeah. And I've, I've seen it and gone. Yeah, that looks a little weird. But I mean, like you, you take that in the context of an entire conversation or several hours worth of interactions. How many times do we like somebody snorts while they're laughing and you're like super embarrassed? Yeah, you know? it happens. Like there will be times I trip over my words sometimes while I'm talking or or I stutter something or I say the wrong word. And it's embarrassing, but I don't have camera crews following me around all day, so they don't play that on loop. <laughs> and and I I try to avoid like obviously there there's there's plenty of space for physical humor and there's probably another term for it too. Like of course we've seen Biden trip up the stairs to Air Force One. I'm sorry, that's that's kind of amusing, you know. <laughs> but you know, in general, when you're when you're attacking somebody based on electability and policy and things like that, well, this just shows it's ad hominem. And the, the, the crazy thing is, yes, Democrats are involved in this, but a lot of it is just the Trump side of things. And even then, like I will see people that will post unflattering images of Trump and, you know, you'll see that kind of stuff. I'm like, eh, I don't care about that. I never did. Otherwise, I wouldn't have wanted a 70 something year old dude in the office in the first place. So it's it's to me, it's substance and, and policy. Those are the things that that really do matter. Speaking of policy, that's a great transition, because my next two points are two of his well-known policies that I want to dive into a little bit. The first one is going to be his education policy. Now, we were talking earlier a little bit off camera about how it's very much misrepresented and it so. What's reported in the media is that, oh, books are being banned. Books are being taken out of libraries. From what I have seen, this is something that's happening not in public libraries, but it is something that occasionally is happening in school libraries. Yeah, it's 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 specific things. And also, um, and we had covered this off off, you know, Mike as well, but like. For instance, the big one that came out yesterday was like, oh, my God, they're taking this this book of these poems or something like that, and they've banned it from the schools. And then the the county comes out and says, well, no, we moved it from this shelf to that shelf. You know, yeah, and, yeah, that's not a ban. <laughs> this, this is not a ban. We're not trying to keep people from reading. We're just we reviewed the book. and went, You know, this is probably uh, on, on an age or reading level that probably is better suited to middle schoolers versus elementary. You know, you move it from one shelf to another and suddenly you've banned a book. And within the same article where the headline says the book was banned in the same article, it will quote the county and it'll say, hey, it was it actually wasn't really banned, according to them. So and this is the problem with the modern world. We have social media and news. You know, it's it's the clickbait stuff. And of course, I am biased toward my side. But the vast majority of your media and news outlets out there are left leaning in some capacity or um, especially in this case, they're, they're looking for a means to attack the governor. And so if you can say something was racist or they're banning books or whatever, that sounds like a pretty that's a bad thing. So we're going to label it that. 
And then you come to find out if you read a little further, which many people don't No, it was a book that was moved from one shelf to another. Literally, that's what it was. <laughs> and that is a little extreme when the media does this. And it's obviously just because the fact of the matter is media is dying. Big news corporations are not pulling in nearly as much revenue as they used to. And I think a lot of news media organizations really need Trump back and really want him to come back because of the rating cnn who is very known for being not not a trump fan that mm-hmm. organization doesn't support him they had a town hall with him it got so many views and it ended up going terrible for them he did i thought i thought he did terrible as well but for yeah. CNN, they didn't look good either so i don't know what they were trying to do there get some ratings but be- before, i'm getting off topic <laughs> yeah yeah you're good <laughs> dying. yes these are just clickbait articles that they're not designed to get people to read them. They're designed to get people to click on them. Mm. Mm-hmm. But I will say one thing about this law that I am not a fan of mm-hmm. is that anyone for any reason can go into a school and say, I, for example, uh, I want this blues clues book removed because the color blue represents homosexuals. And they actually have to waste time to have a hearing about that and do a vote on that. Okay. Does this book really promote these ideas? And it's just a, seems like a whole lot of wasted resources. I do agree that you should not have access to porn in a school library because that's the reality of what you can call them sex education books, but you're, you're five. What do you need that for? I don't understand. Yeah. Well, and a lot of these, it's it, so I remember many years ago, there was controversy over sex education books. And I've seen that, like, I, so I was homeschooled, but I, we still had books that were previously used in um, public schools and stuff. And I've seen what sex education books used to look like. You had an image of the human anatomy and it explained, this is what this does. These are how these things work. Mm -hmm. I don't think the majority, you know, even if you want to say the conservatives or whatever, I don't think the majority have any issue with that. It's just basic stuff that's, you know, teaches you how the human body works, human reproductivity. There's a pretty big difference between that and saying, this is how, here, this is how you have sex as a, a gay person or whatever. And it's like, okay, well, let's not go there. You know, let, let's not talk about like how you have sex. Like let's explain how the human body works, mm-hmm. you know, exactly how it was growing up for me. Uh, I went to a public school for the first up until fifth grade and in fifth grade, we had a little sex education day and there were no diagrams of people having sex. There were no close up diagrams of body parts it was mostly talking about sperm fertilization and zygotes and a bunch of other biology terms. I don't remember. Yeah. So you yeah. knew how your body worked, which, <laughs> yeah, that's important. And so, but what we see now is there's a lot of publications and, and DeSantis covered it today in his uh, space where institutions in the media or financial institutions or the school, what they'll find is that what they want to do is not popular amongst the the electorate in many ways Mm -hmm. and so they can't get something passed through elected representatives or ballot initiatives or whatever it is essentially through the ballot they can't get something done so what they're going to do is they're going to put it in your schools and say well this is education you need to teach this or whatever that way the agenda that they want is still getting to the the people the minds that they wanted to, to get it to you know, and while an adult may have the capacity to see something, oh, that's kind of stupid. I don't believe you, you know, or I don't want to be involved in that. A five or six year old kid or even teenagers, you know, like minds are still developing throughout their entire school years. You pump enough of these imagery and concepts and ideas to them without adult consent, without their parents being involved or whatever, and you get to melt, mold their mind as if you were raising that kid. And that's the problem that has come you know, to light recently is how pervasive that is. Mm-hmm. And so people took issue with that. It gets major blowback. And that's where you get parental rights movements like what DeSantis has done in Florida. And I honestly, I don't think it's, I, I get what you're saying about like waste of resources and time and stuff. But I think the problem is uh, parents for too long were not involved enough in the raising and nurturing of their children. And it became the prerogative of the school system. And I don't think that's right. We've seen tweets from the Biden administration and and people like that saying like, oh, these aren't your children. They're everyone's. No, 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 no. They're not everyone's children. They're those parents' children. 
it's their right, their responsibility to raise them as they see fit. Just like some liberal family, if they want to teach their kids something, the school educational stuff, the whole point that, that, you know, DeSantis is going on here is it needs to be objective realities, objective histories, you know, objective sciences, things that are provable that are agreed upon in general, let the social side of things be determined off campus. <laughs> and I agree with that. But if we take it a step further and if we say, oh, this applies to colleges now, too, I think that's for me where it goes too far, because I know a lot of colleges get their money from state governments and federal governments. Mm -hmm. So you could put forth the argument that, oh, this is a state institution. We have to teach what the state says. But that sounds a lot like, oh, we must do what the state says. I don't I don't agree with that. Well, the thing is, is they, like you said, they are state funded. They are state controlled institutions. You know what? Like all your the vast majority, there's very few like private institutions out there. And, and if they are, then, you know, so be it. But like, say here in Florida, you got like Florida State University, University of Miami, all these places. These are going to be places that receive state funds basically exist through the state. And then you turn around and find out they're using these things like um, uh diversity, equity, inclusion standards and all that kind of stuff that is actually in many ways um, counterintuitive. You know, you think, oh, that sounds great, but they use it to discriminate against, you know, open thought, you know, open communication and then who gets in and things like that. And that's the stuff that they've been working to get away or do away with. I don't want to spend too much of this time on yeah. the education thing because we have a whole lot to get into. There's one more specific issue, but I really do appreciate you sharing your thoughts on this. Uh, the other big thing that I want to discuss specifically of his policies, and this is something that um, you'll hear, you've probably heard a lot of and probably have seen more close up hand, the whole thing going on with Disney. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. So from my understanding, and this is a very brief, brief Cliff Notes version. Yeah. Ron, Ron had a law passed and Disney didn't like the law. So Disney said. We don't like this law. We're coming out against it. And they're a private company. They have the right to have whatever opinion they want. And then Ron DeSantis said, okay, you don't like my law. So we're going to take away all of your special privileges. Does yes. That sound no. about right. <laughs> <laughs> um, basically, we had the, the quote unquote, don't say gay bill, which is not what it is in the slightest. You can actually go on you know, the, uh, the, the state website and read the language of the bill. It's actually one of the most simple bills ever written. It's like six pages long. But essentially, it was supposed to make it so a teacher does not bring gender ideology into a classroom, doesn't talk about pronouns, you know, doesn't sit there and, and discuss their sexuality with with you know, the, the students, things like that, because it has nothing to do with it. And, and people made this big, oh, this is targeting, uh, LG, LGTB, et cetera. And it's like, well, no, it's anybody, you know, there, there shouldn't be a heterosexual, uh, teacher going into a classroom and discussing with your children things about their sex life. <laughs> like no, yeah. nobody needs to know about this. And then they, they of course would drag it into, oh, but, um, if I have a photo on the desk of my husband, you know, like a, say a gay person, right? If I have a photo on the desk of my husband and somebody asks about it, I'm not allowed to talk about it. No, nobody cares about that. You know, like we know that that's a reality of life and people are going to see that. It's when you go beyond that, when somebody asks about your sexuality, then you know what you should be doing is saying, you know what? That's not my place to discuss these things with you. You should talk to your family about that. You should talk to your parents. You know, like in any other scenario in the real world, <laughs> it I'll would be kind of weird. When I was a kid, I could have had several gay teachers. I would have had no idea. I could have had several teachers who went off and had crazy wild sex lives. I would have had no idea. And I shouldn't right. have had any idea. What, like, if you're going to school and the teacher is talking about their sex life, yeah. that's, that's not a thing that should be happening. <laughs> Right. And because in any setting that that's very much not appropriate, it's not allowed. And we we've always shunned upon it, shunned it. And in this setting, what you have is a captive audience, you know, of impressionable minds who are now like, oh, this is OK for me to talk to strange adults about these things. You know, where does that go from there? So that was what the law was about. Of course, it was blown into a, you know, a gay rights thing. It wasn't about that. Blanket covers anything. Um, and Disney 
who of course has always, you know, DeSantis, he covered this in the spaces tonight, essentially gotten their way politically about whatever they want forever because, you know, they're because like the biggest the company. Yeah. They got all the money, they got the power and they have that influence. And it didn't matter if it was Republicans or Democrats, whatever they, they just got what they wanted because of they were Disney. Mm -hmm. And they came out, they didn't just say, Oh, we're against this. Cause lots of companies do that. Lots of individuals, lots of businesses. They can say, we're against this. We support gay rights. Yada, yada, yada. That's fine. But they specifically came out and essentially said they were going to put resources into fighting the bill. And at that point, you go from being an entity using your freedom of speech to being an, a partly government subsidized entity business now saying you are going to turn around and fight the elected government of the people of the state that are carrying out what is, you know, essentially the will of the people of that state and you're being subsidized by it. You're getting special treatment that other companies don't get. So DeSantis essentially turned around and said, well, that's not happening because like I said, they, they've commented on and expressed things endlessly. Nobody cares. But when you basically commit to, we're going to put resources into this, we're going to fight this bill. Well, now you're fighting the people of the state in which you, you exist in. So he said, you know what, we're going to review some things. Why does Disney get all these? Because obviously these things were done long before DeSantis was in politics. I mean, he didn't even <laughs> technically exist when Disney was given their status. Mm -hmm. And essentially what he looked at was go, you know, this company has their own government in this uh, specific region of Florida and are allowed to run everything as they please, do what they want and get everything they want. And they've been able to wield undue influence over state government for generations and here they are fighting the will of the people and and we're just we're done with that you know and we're we're going to put it into it so essentially they 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 drew up legislation this wasn't done through executive fiat or whatever drew up legislation to essentially repeal their status and put in place a new board to govern the Reedy Creek you know district and everything about that is perfectly legal and within the purview of the state and the state legislatures. This wasn't Governor DeSantis signing an executive order on a whim. This was the legislate the the elected representatives of the people of Florida creating a law to undo their status. And totally fair. You want to get into woke politics, okay, that's fine. You want to start fighting and and essentially promising financial uh, attack on the state. Well, then there may be some recourse for that. So people, especially even on the conservative side, you've had Nikki Haley, you've had Trump, you've had, um, oh, there was somebody else, but many people on the Republican side come out against us. And that's what tells me we're like kind of on the right <laughs> path here because there's a lot of corporatism. And that that's, again, one of the things I really like with DeSantis is he is able to articulate the difference between being a conservative, being a Republican and being a corporatist. You know, there's, there's, there's a big difference. This is uh, this is part of my leftism coming out, but I love to see a big billion dollar corporation lose money. I love to see it. Take and that used to be how it was. <laughs> <laughs> I love to see it. And I'm trying to stay unbiased, but to be completely frank, I disagree with some of the stuff you're saying, but I also agree with some of it. And the things I like about DeSantis are a lot of things that remind me of things I like in really far left leaders, like the anti-corporation thing, the anti-war thing, because we, we probably won't even have time to get into that. But he's mm. very, very against the the war in Ukraine. And I think that should be. I mean, he opposed he opposed the uh, the Bush administration, uh, the war in Iraq and things like that. Mm -hmm. the, so and I, I think what it is, is there, there's becoming a clearer picture of what an actual conservative looks like versus like we've talked about crony corporatists, Republicans, whoever it is. There's there's a lot of people on both sides who benefit from big money in in big places. And so it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of strange to me to see a lot of leftists and liberals and stuff who over the last, oh, five to 10 years, it's, it was slow, a slow churn at first, but it's accelerated lately who jumped on the bandwagon with big time corporations, unless they're oil corporations. But outside that, and, and honestly, though, like I said earlier, it actually does kind of fit 
because when, when you realize that a lot of what you want to do either harms the electorate or they wouldn't really be on the side of, like they, they would probably oppose it, you start looking for other ways to get your things done. And so, well, if I can use this big billion dollar corporation to push my agenda in the media, or if I can do it over here in business where I get banks to stop giving loans to certain types of people, you know, that sort of thing, then it kind of does make sense. It's like, it's insidious. I like real quickly, really quickly. I want, I want to go over one more of his policies in, in particular, because you had, this isn't something I had planned, but because you had mentioned the the idea of people finding out, politicians finding out their ideas are not very popular. Recent elections have shown that the idea of banning abortion or limiting abortion is not very popular. Even in Kansas, they failed a constitutional amendment to explicitly say there was no right to abortion. And in a state very Republican, Kansas, that failed. In Montana, a similar amendment failed. So what are your thoughts on not your personal thoughts on abortion, but what do you think about the way DeSantis is going about it? Because in Florida, a very populous state, I think third most populated state in the country, he signed a very restrictive abortion bill. So what do you think about that? Well, uh, actually, one of my best friends, though, just to say, he actually lives in Kansas. And yes, in a lot of ways, it's very Republican, but they actually have a Democrat uh, governor there. And so there are some of these places where you may think they are redder than they are and cultures have kind of shifted a little bit, but it also depends on, on how things are presented. You know, like I think a lot in a lot of cases, conservatives have not correctly articulated the fight against abortion. And when it comes to what DeSantis has done here in Florida, um, he, he may not have said, Oh, I want to do he, uh, a six week ban where, but he did in fact, previously support a heartbeat bill and people would have known that i believe it was brought up at the uh the debates but i can't i can't you know don't quote me on that um but it had been brought up multiple times he did sign i think it was a, a 15 week bill already like a year ago and then when again he he's he said it before when you are empowered by um your election when you win these big victories you have super majorities you use that to do what you believe is right. And so whether it's popular or not, that's, he doesn't care, you know, and that's one of the reasons why I actually like him is that um, it, he does what he believes is right. And then the results speak for themselves and he gets the votes, which basically, uh, you know, affirms what he did. So I'm actually 100. I, I don't believe my, I don't think it's going to hurt him in any kind of way um, because when you, when you tell people like, yeah, at six weeks, there's a detectable heartbeat. That's a human being. And we're outside of very specific cases. Cause there is ex actually exceptions up to uh, I think it's still 12 or 15 weeks. There is ex ex exceptions for like rape, incest and things like that. But there, the vast majority of, of uh, abortions are convenience abortions. You know, they're, they're used as a form of <laughs> of uh, contraceptive, essentially. And so doing the right thing when it comes to preserving life, I don't think he's going to bat an eye at that. And in general, that's why I say he's courageous. I mean, obviously, he had military service, things like that. But his, his big thing is, I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to lead by example, let people see the effectiveness, let people see that these are the right things to do, and then I will get their vote. He doesn't just come out and say, say the popular things in hopes of getting the vote. So um, I, I really don't think it hurts him. I think it was something people were basically aware of going into the election, and he still won by 20 points. Okay. Well, we'll leave it at that for that topic. <laughs> I do want to, because I don't want to get into that. We'll spend yeah, like yeah. six hours talking about that. But I do have, we haven't even gotten into the election. I really want to talk about that. But one final policy thing I want to talk about, specifically, what policies has Ron DeSantis Ron DeSantis implemented that have improved your life? Besides everything? No, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, so like, yes, in, in a general sense, across the board, basically everything he's done has, has somehow made my life better. Um, but for me, I think the ultimate selling point is going back to 2020 and COVID. And again, this is my viewpoint. Not everybody will agree. 60% of Florida apparently agrees. But um, 
I was I, I work in service industry, server, bartender, you know, I've worked in in restaurants and stuff. And the lockdown thing, which is something uh, there's a nice contrast between between him and Trump. Um, the lockdown thing that happened and then going past that, just reopening, going back to work. Uh, I worked at a major restaurant chain that opened as soon as it was, you know, available. And I was literally the first server back in that restaurant. And to like, at first we weren't doing the mask thing. And then we did because everybody was. And I'm telling you for a year that I was required to wear a mask at work. And, and there was, as time went on, we started getting kind of rebellious on it. We would, we would pull it down below our noses and stuff. We had to breathe, but a year of that, it, it came to a point where after, especially after a couple of months of it, every single day I was going home exhausted with massive migraines I would, there were times where I was like blacking out on my way home from work while I was driving and I couldn't understand why I was like, I'm a healthy person. I I've done this for years. I, I don't get what suddenly, and I was like, it's the masks. Like I'm not able to breathe, you know, all day while I'm running back and forth, back and forth doing physical activity. And when you do that for five, six hours a day, sometimes longer, just you, you don't get enough oxygen. You're rebreathing, uh, toxins, you know, all these different things. So that experience and watching him turn and go, we got to stop this. We're, we're not going to do state mandates. We're going to fight, you know, municipalities that are doing these mandates. And there was a time where I was afraid because there was so much going on so quickly and it was so extreme that I wouldn't be able to have a job because I was not taking a shot. There was no way I was taking an experimental mRNA vaccine, quote unquote, for what is in my opinion essentially a form of the common cold or a mild flu i was not going to be forced into doing that to to be putting something into my body so that i could go to work and i'm i was scared like literally scared that i would not be able to go out into public that i wouldn't be allowed to have a job without putting something in my body that i thought well i don't know what this is and what it's going to do to me in five years you know whatever and um but i was very 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 thankful that here in the state of florida he uh, immediately with executive action banned vaccine passports and requirements to be able to go to work with a, with a vaccine. Cause there were people that were, you know, like making fake vaccine cards and stuff. Cause there was a time where the policy at my restaurant and I felt like this was actually kind of discriminatory in like an around the, around the, the way, like they couldn't tell you, Oh, um, you can't come to work without, a vaccine passport, right? Or a card saying you were vaccinated. But what they started doing was if you show us one, you don't have to wear a mask. And it was like, wait, so you're still basically trying to force me into a position where I either get one or I'm like subjugated to, to being shamed in a sense where, oh, I'm still over here wearing a mask while these people did. So anyways, there was a lot of things going on when you were a working person in that time period, especially in things like service industries and stuff. And I was, I felt protected. I felt like somebody's got my back. He's not going to make me, he's going to, he's not going to allow these people, these corporations. Cause that was, again, that was the thing I like. He's not a corporatist. He was willing to fight for individual rights over those of the corporation saying, look, you're a corporation, you have a right to do certain things, but if those things infringe upon individuals' rights, then you, you can't do that. For me, that, that was like the ultimate thing was that I had somebody that was willing to, to stand up and, and even if at the time, like he took flack from Trump, you know, who was president at the time, you know, he took flack from, from everybody to say, you know what, I don't think this is right. We shouldn't be doing this to people. And they should be able to go do their jobs and, and, and businesses should be open and all these different things. And then as, as things progressed and new things came along, he provided more and more protections for us. And still is, you know, to this day, things are being signed into law instead of executive action, you know, things like that. And I think that was the number one seller to me was like, this guy is actually going to protect me. You know, he, he's, he's not just going to say he's going to do things and tweet them. He's going to just go take actions, even if they, they don't seem popular at the time. Well, he was right, you know, 
So that I'm was glad like you mentioned. Story. I'm glad you mentioned Trump because that leads perfectly yes, to our final Trump. section of the discussion. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about how how this primary is going to go. I'm going to tell you the way I see it is like this: Trump is going to implode. He's going to try as hard as he can to take the Santas down with him. Maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't. And if Trump implodes and is able to bring DeSantis down, then some random Republican we've never heard of is going to somehow win, and then they're going to lose. And yeah. if Trump is unable to do so. DeSantis is going to win, and then if it's Biden, he wins. Uh, but Trump against Biden, Biden wins. Biden wins, yep. Yeah. But, Trump uh, is uh, the Hillary Clinton of the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. So, like, again... I was very enthusiastic 2016 to basically through 2020 and then true colors kind of came along afterwards that I was like, eh, I don't know about this. And then of course it made me go back and reevaluate 2020 and realize, okay, you had governors like Kemp and DeSantis who were like, Hey, we can't, we can't keep doing this. We, we need to open. And Trump was like berating these guys. Like, what, what do you do? They're, they're on me. You can't be doing this. Yada, yada, yada. You don't have like I'm I'm telling you what to do, basically. Like you don't run us. We're we're individual states. You don't have that authority. And I I I'm like, man, that's that's really bad. That's a bad look. You know? Well, I guarantee you the same thing that he did to Kemp when he lost Georgia. If he had lost Florida, he would have tried to do the same thing with DeSantis as well. Except I think and, and Kemp won his reelection, right? He's Kemp he's actually win. almost as popular in Georgia as uh, DeSantis is in Florida. Yeah, Kemp is very popular. He, he, he beat Stacey the first time years ago very closely, and this time he beat Stacey by 10-ish points. Yeah, and I think that's what we keep seeing is the people that Trump had an issue with are the people that are succeeding. And not because they're establishment or anything. But because they're just charting their own path without Trump, you know, this was the big thing is in, in 2022, because we all knew, you know, uh, DeSantis was up for reelection and we knew that there was all there was all this talk of a red wave, which I honestly think could have happened if Trump wasn't the 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 the, the front of the line for the Republican Party. And I think DeSantis tried. He actually like Lee Zeldin, I think, was was a big one for him going to New York and trying to push him. Um, But there were there were all these rallies, dozens of rallies across 2021 and 22 that Trump went on. And they were supposedly to support these these people, Blake Masters, Carrie Lake, Dr. um, Oz. Come on, Indigo. Dr. Oz, one of the most Dr. Oz. Senate candidates in American history, and apparently a Republican. Like, <laughs> when did this happen? I, I, the guy, you know. So the and and in Georgia, um, what's his name? The football player, you know. Which no, no offense to him, he seems like a really nice guy, but the, the all the people that Trump handpicked and pushed and went and campaigned in their name—that's a whole other thing. The money issue, but they all failed. And then he likes to claim, oh, I had hundreds of endorsements that when I was like, but when you look at it, they were all people that were going to win, mm-hmm. you know? And so I look at it and go, Trump is not the Republican Party powerhouse people think he is. He has a dedicated base of people, just like Hillary did. And outside of that, he's like an albatross to the Republican Party, just like Hillary was. Because Hillary was so unpopular, people elected Trump. Mm-hmm. Trump was so unpopular that people elected Biden, mm-hmm. you know, because Biden is not popular by any means. But I'll tell you this, even Democrats, yeah. like very, I don't know any young people, even like the most hardcore radical leftist people. I don't know any people who like Biden. Every time they're like, why'd you vote for him? Well, I really didn't like Trump. And that's he what it comes Trump. down to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and that's the way I think if you're somebody who becomes, cl- even if you were a Trump supporter, if you become clear eyed on the subject and kind of reevaluate, because this is me, like, this is how I like to operate. You know, like I'm, we've talked about before, I'm an atheist. I used to be hardcore Christian, you know, like to me, there's, there's always this opportunity to look back and reevaluate things post port, post mortem and like go why did i believe that why was i so strongly in that and it's like you can't really blame yourself but you learn from it and so looking back i go trump has been dragging us down for like three election cycles since 2018 and i feel like there's a lot of people who are just tired of losing 
And yes, Trump does enjoy support in general amongst Republicans, and he's got a very hardcore base. But again, Hillary Clinton. Again, Trump versus Biden. We have to start looking at the fact that we not only do we need somebody who is supported by Republicans, but somebody who does not mobilize opposition. DeSantis doesn't. DeSantis oppresses opposition, if anything. He has the ability to to grab moderates, to grab the entire base, you know, and, and move them in a direction. And even some softer Democrats who go, you know, yeah, I'm a Democrat, but the guy, he, he's not a monster and he's got a lot of common sense ideas and he seems to like, you know, make things happen, you know, and people will get behind that versus someone like Trump. He's going to get the support from Republicans, but he's going to motivate a lot of people to vote against him. So when it comes to the primary, Trump is going to continue to come unhinged. You had a million people tonight trying to tune into that is what they said. They had 700,000 that were like in the space on Twitter tonight. And there was hundreds of thousands more trying to get in, which is why it crashed. And then even when they relaunched it on uh, the other guy's channel, because Elon said what it was is that you had almost a million people trying to access it and it was being pushed to 140 million followers. <laughs> so it, it melted everything down. So when they moved it to the other channel and things stabilized, you still had like 305,000 people on a Twitter space listening to DeSantis articulate intelligently his policies and why he does things and, and debunking things, that sort of thing. And you had Trump over here having this weird freaking meltdown that makes zero sense at all. Talking about, I guess, Kim Jong-un and a red button. I don't know what any of this had to do with Rob. So, yeah, Rob. I, mean, I just, I just want to say his nicknames for DeSantis are the worst he has ever had. Yeah, because which... nothing sticks. So he keeps trying to find something new that sticks. And the only people that think it's funny are the boomery MAGA people who are like totally out of touch with what's going on, who uh, six months ago supported DeSantis. These, uh, these same people would have to pull up a dictionary to learn, to look up what the sanctimonious meant, which, yeah, yeah. It's, it's I mean, really, it's really amazing to me. These people supported him like six months ago. And then because Trump called him a nickname out of the blue, they, he became uh, a rhino and establishment, all that stuff. But I see Trump continuing to, to have these breakdowns. Uh, and DeSantis is going to like stay on subject. I feel like the way he's going to run his primary campaign is more like a general campaign. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like you, you have someone like nagging you and being a pestering, you know, nuisance. What do you do? You just, you don't pay them any mind. Right. And you let them look silly and, and kind of blow up over there while you just keep on mission. And I feel like that's what they're going to do. They're essentially going to operate as if Trump doesn't exist, except when, it's time to debate or when it's time to point, you know, whatever out, they're going to hit specific policies. They're going to hit the way he handled COVID. They're going to hit the way he didn't get the border wall done, the way he can't articulate policy and get them done and then show how DeSantis has been successful. So I, I really feel like Trump will implode. DeSantis will stay on message. The other people don't matter. Nobody gives a crap about Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, the Vivek guy. Like Vivek, Vivek is so bad. That by some random chance, if the whole universe turns out to be a simulation, he ends up winning the nomination. Yeah, I will. I would vote for just about any. His policies are some of the worst things I've ever seen. They're just weird, out of the left field crap. I think like, he just uh, hopes he's going to end up in a cabinet position, basically, or a VP choice or something. Vivek's one of he came out the other day and said, "Oh, if you're 18, you shouldn't even be allowed to vote." Which no. Is, <laughs> you should definitely be voting at 18. We just have to do better at teaching people civics and history, and then they can be more informed voters. Exactly. But, more history in uh, school and less uh, less ideology, more facts, more history, more of what actually happened. Right. Um, because... But yeah, the, these other people are not factors at all. None of them are going to be able to stand on a debate stage with DeSantis and, and, and stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with him. Trump would absolutely just blow. Because we have to remember, like people are recalling 2016. And here's, I think, a different, here's a different person then. Very different person, very different field of competitors. And the, the problem was, as I, again, I like, I almost said Tom Cruise. What the hell? <laughs> I like, I, I do Tom though. Tom Cruise for president. <laughs> yes. But I actually like Ted Cruz. Marco Rubio is a neocon, but he has his role. Um, the whole field, I was like, I don't hate any of these people. 
but they they managed to like stoop to Trump's love. Oh, Jeb, Jeb existed. That's right. You got to clap. Uh, please clap. Clap. Please clap. Um, but they all stooped to his level at some point. They all thought I have to match Trump somehow on some level, and that's what hurt them. They looked silly trying to be Trump. DeSantis is not going to do talking that. Talking about his penis, but that's when he lost it. <laughs> oh my! <God. laughs> yeah, it's. It, it was just so over the top ridiculous. It was, it was, it was a show. And DeSantis, he covered that tonight in the space. He's like, this is not about building a brand and, and entertainment. Actually, if I have a moment here and I might send it to you, if you want to, you want to see it, but do you know who cat turd is on Twitter? Yes. I've seen his tweets a few times. Okay. Yeah. I used to like him and he used to like DeSantis. Of course, everything switched uh, about the beginning of November. Oh, what a coincidence. Yeah. Weird. But he uh, he commented on the space tonight and he said, I left the space. It was so terrible and boring. I couldn't take it anymore. I'm going to go watch some paint dry so I can be more entertained. And I'm like, these people, they don't I mean, care about takes. these aren't these can't possibly be serious thoughts. This is, though, this is MAGA at this point. And so whoever, including the other guy who does his interview, I am not a MAGA person. I, I once was i was a huge trump supporter but there there comes a point where you realize okay this has become ridiculous and spectacle it's no longer serving up the purpose of policy and and substance and that is my biggest draw and so when i read this i'm like these people that are still clinging to to maga and to trump and stuff they just want to buy nfts and they want they want him to be like some sort of wwe superstar or something they don't. What is, uh, we, what is very sad is his NFTs sold out within like 24 hours or something. The first ones did extremely well, but the second batch, uh, they actually started dropping pretty rapidly in value. Oh, I didn't even know so, there was a second batch. Yeah, they did a second round, but it's it's ridiculous. Like the the thing is, if you are a conservative or if you're somebody who calls yourself Republican or American first. You supported DeSantis for the last three years, or whatever, because you were paying attention to everything that was going on. You're like, this guy's fighting for us. He's, you know, California for generations got to influence so much when it came to policy. Like, they, there would be so many things like, oh, meets California emission standards. Oh, in the state of California is known to cause cancer, you know, whatever it was. And Florida is that now, except for a conservative. You know, or, you know, common sense, in my opinion. But and that was like the biggest win ever for our side until Trump started name calling him because he saw him as a possible threat to him. Mm -hmm. And that's the part that's silly to me is like all that is suddenly gone. Because Trump said so. And now you don't care if you listen to that hour that he spoke with these different people and Elon and everything. And he talked about everything. You're like, God, this guy is the best possible republican we could have representing us but they don't care at all it means nothing to them now and i'm like what is wrong with you guys you don't care about the things that matter to us well this is interesting because i think that if it comes down to biden and i'm not hoping that something happens to him i'm hoping maybe he resigns or doesn't run but hopefully it will not be him that is the nominee and as much as i love bernie it is also too late for him at this point. It was uh, never going to be his turn. Look, I, I'm contractually obligated to throw in how much I love Bernie every time I speak with you. <laughs> I just I think it's amusing, though, because we, we all know that he was never going to be allowed to to win the nomination. Uh, that's the a DNC. whole other discussion. Yeah, <laughs> the DNC, they cheated him out of that both times. It's there's a really good book out there for those of you listening called uh, it's actually written by Bernie Sanders campaign manager. It's called The Fighting Soul. It really goes into his campaign and details how about right when he started to win things is when the entire Democratic Party coalesced against him in favor <laughs> of an 80-year-old possible dementia patient. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, honestly, though, like I, I, I don't want to talk about him as a person, you know, yeah. but I, I vehemently disagree with essentially all of his policies. The only thing that I would stand with him on is there, there's occasional thing. You know, there are times where people are. Yeah. There's overlap. Some, yeah. Somebody, somebody brought this up about Tulsi Gabbard. Cause I like her mostly because she's hot and she's not a lunatic, but she, uh, there's people like, Oh, uh, DeSantis needs to have her on as VP. Like, bro, are you crazy? She is a Democrat. Like, yes, she is like a common sense, you know, 
15, 20 years ago, Democrat, you know, in a lot of ways, but she still is. And when you have a ticket, you need to be um, aligned, you know, and, and I understand like having somebody that maybe contrasts you like Pence contrasted Trump, you know, that kind of thing. But she's still not going to to on, on a lot of things be for what what you want her to be for. You still have to recognize that there's a such thing as allies on issues but they are still somebody that you oppose on the vast majority of things. It's just nice to have somebody around who's common sense on the other side. So I respect Tulsi. I like her, but she's still not a conservative, you know, just like RFK. I, I know you probably like him. Oh, yeah. I like him. Um, I actually, my favorite president in history, believe it or not, is not Reagan. Rest, is, rest in peace. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> no, I, I do. I do love Reagan. Actually, in a lot of ways, I'm kind of like uh, Michael J. Fox from the, the show he was on in the 80s. Uh, I can't remember the name of the show, but he, he, he was young and he was playing this kid that was like a big time Reaganite, you know. But anyways, um, it's actually uh, JFK himself. Um, Kennedy is my favorite president in in u.s history you know obviously we say, oh george washington you did that yeah whatever but <laughs> so i i've always felt like there, there is reason to like some of the things that you know the kennedys will stand for and rfk right now i like his stance on like the cia the fbi you know that kind of stuff I'm like yes tear down the bureaucracy that that's great but the guy's also an environmental nut nut and all this other kind of stuff so there, there's things where i'm like the the MAGA side they're like oh Trump and like RFK I'm like I don't think even RFK himself would want to be on that ticket yeah RFK but put out a statement a few days ago and he was very clear he said under no circumstances will I be ever on a ticket with Trump <laughs> right and and I don't think and DeSantis has basically said the same thing nobody wants that it's toxic it's not going to work for you but again the same thing there are things that I I can reach over and go okay uh, I, this guy, I agree with him on these issues. Let's work together on this. Find common ground. That's great. But uh, I'm still voting as everything else that he votes for. <laughs> well, this is a good point for uh, for my final question. Uh, I mm -hmm. guess this is the only kind of trick question, but it's not really a trick question. It's what do you think is – well, could you name something about Ron or his policies that you don't like? I'm going to ask the inverse when I have the other guy on. Right. He says, yeah. Um. I think that there, oops, excuse me, I hit my mic there. I think that there are certain things when it comes to law and order that I, I'm obviously a fan of. Uh, I like the fact that he's like, hey, you want to come down here? We support our police. We'll give you these bonuses, right? We're going to make our community safe. We're going to back the blue. There, there's a lot of great things to come from that. Florida is very safe. Our crime is at a 50-year low. Things like that. That's fantastic. But sometimes there can be slippery slopes and... Uh, what was it? The uh, the death penalty thing. I I am actually a proponent of the death penalty in extreme cases and when it is unanimous. Mm -hmm. So that that's where I, so he passed a bill. I think it was earlier this year he signed or like not too long ago actually because we've had like the most productive legislative session ever. Um, but he they they passed a bill he signed which basically <clears throat> was in response to uh, there was a shooting in Florida years ago. Uh, that killed a bunch of kids. You know, don't want to go too far into that. But the the shooter um, was found guilty. But then, when it came to what his uh, his um, sentence was, there was like one juror or something like that who who did not vote for the death penalty. The rest did, and the one juror basically made it so well he he couldn't receive the death penalty. And a lot of people like that's not justice. You know, yet and. Like I said, I'm a proponent of it. And if that if that jury had unanimously voted for the death penalty, like, all right, jury of peers, unanimous, think the guy should die. Okay, cool. Let's do it. You know? But he they passed the thing where now it's uh it's majority, right? So you could have a case like that one where um the one juror says, No, I don't agree with the death penalty, and he still gets it. Now, do I think the guy deserves it? Yeah, I do. But this is why we have the system we do and why we, we have the unanimous thing. Because the death penalty to me is a very solemn thing. It should exist. But again, I think it needs to be proven guilty and voted unanimously. I That is my viewpoint on that. There are a lot of people who should go for what they've done. But there's a lot of people who have been put on death row. And then years down the road that found, well, they were actually innocent. Mm-hmm. 
So I'm a, again, like it's, I feel like you can hold two stances that are, you know, conflicting. I I'm a, I'm pro death penalty, but I'm not for this law that says it's basically a, a, um, a majority versus unanimous. I think it needs to be like, it's such a severe thing. Everyone needs to agree. And I see where you're saying about the slippery slope, because in that case, it was one juror. Next case, it could be three jurors that are against the death penalty. Well, too and bad. Yet they do it. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, thank you so much for sharing that. And honestly, we could keep going on. There's a whole lot of more information to cover. Yeah. And... <laughs> I could probably just sit and talk for hours and hours. And like I said, this is this is why my YouTube is not political. <laughs> Well, I tried to keep my bias out of it and respect your opinions. And thanks for doing the same and not making it too. too. And that's one thing I really want to get on this closing point. If you're listening and if you disagree with what's being said from either of us, if you think one or both of us are idiots or stupid, you want to burn our house down, then you need to reevaluate yourself. Because at, at minimum, 30% or more of Americans think the way that Indigo does or thinks the way I do. And you are in the minority. No matter what you believe, you're in the minority. There are more people who disagree with you than there are who agree with you. Right. So, that's why we build coalitions. Yeah. You know, that, that's why, you know, for instance, a Republican or a Democrat doesn't simply win because they won their primary. They mm -hmm. still have to go win a general election that gets the average across the spectrum to say, yeah, we want that person. You know, mm -hmm. because, yeah, I, I understand that I'm in the minority. There's things that I'm probably more and less extreme on when it comes to conservatism, like whole other subjects, but things like trans things and stuff like that. Like I have opposing takes <laughs> on the same subjects. And so, yeah, where every single individual person is going to be unique mm -hmm. in exactly. their take, you know, on their spectrum politically. So I don't say the things I'm saying here to specifically offend you the person listening to this here if it offends a broader audience i don't give a crap but as an individual i don't hate you or whatever you stand for exactly and that's so important the other side they might act a little angry sometimes but when it comes down to it we're all people we all have our own beliefs our own experiences have led us to those beliefs and i think this is me getting all kind of preachy and annoying but <laughs> i think if we took the time to have these conversations the other day I had this idea and I was like, Ron DeSantis is announcing for president. Perfect. I'll track down someone who likes him. I'll interview him. I'll track. Well, down that was easy. Who doesn't like him. Yeah, it was, it was pretty easy to find. He's like, wait, this guy. <laughs> I was like, it hit me. Oh, I know the perfect guy for that. And yeah. I'll track down the other guy, we're going to hear his perspective later on in the week or later in the month, whenever we record. And it'll be an interesting, excuse me. It'll be an interesting take. Because... So please take time to get to know people. Don't be dismissive of people. This is a great metaphor, what you mentioned earlier, reading the headlines, but not reading the article. Yeah. Someone might come at you with a headline, but if you take the time and get to know them, you will see that that is not the case. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it, like, like you said, there are things to me that are black and white, as in like, well, that's obviously wrong. That's obviously right. Mm -hmm. But I'm also willing to like talk to somebody else. Like um, I sent you the the... <laughs> <laughs> the screenshot earlier. I got this girl I know who like the reason we bonded and started talking to each other is because we we like hate each other's guts politically. Yeah. <laughs> and so we'll we'll she'll she'll text me like today she started saying something about DeSantis, and then my response was basically like to poke and prod her to get her to answer. You know, but I'm, I still actually like this person, <laughs> <laughs> but like we just cannot stand where we are on on politics and, and a lot of different issues. But I'm like cool, but let's talk about it. Yeah, exactly. More conversations, less hatred, less animosity, less anger, because when it comes down to it, we're all people and, you know, just get along, have <laughs> conversations. Don't be so dismissive. I forget who said it was, but someone once said, once you vilify someone else, you lose the ability to grow. Every yeah. person, every experience is an opportunity for you to develop, for you to learn something, for you to evolve your own perspective and potentially help them learn as well. So it's right. a two-way street. If you vilify someone, not only can you not grow, but you cannot help them grow. So if you don't get anything else from this, and if you really hate both of us, if you hate me for even having the audacity to, to speak about this in such a positive way, please send me hate mail. <laughs> uh, direct it to 411. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I I'm probably going to have to censor that, but that's fine. 
anyway yeah it's so funny much. though because i did see that with uh with elon was uh they were talking about there was a headline from vanity or somewhere like that talking about um desantis uh to make his announcement on twitter because with elon musk because he couldn't find david duke or something like that and it's like bro really like, like i guess that's supposed to be a joke but it isn't funny and it also doesn't make sense <laughs> right and, and it's literally just the the idea that we want to de-platform all speakers and ideas like i don't care who goes on a a, a twitter space i don't have to listen yeah, exactly. You know, but the, the, but Twitter or Elon or whoever should have the, uh, the freedom to give a platform to somebody in, in an effort to understand them and hear what they have to say and let other people make that decision. So like when you interview me here or when you interview, you know, the, the, the opposing side, all you're doing is giving a platform for those two concepts to voice their, 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 their side and let those that are listening, educate themselves and make a choice. Mm -hmm. And Please, please make a choice. Please vote. If do not, if did not vote was a candidate, candidate would have won the election just about every single time in human, in America. So please vote. <laughs> yes. New rule. Uh, you don't get to complain about it if you don't vote. Yep. I'm very much on that side. <laughs> well, again, thanks so much for being here and sharing. Thank you, everyone who's listened. And stay tuned later on for the opposing interview with uh, someone who's not a big fan of DeSantis and we'll get to do some compare and contrast and, and see where, where his, what his thoughts on all these, these issues are as well. This is the part where you say goodbye. Oh yes. <laughs> Thanks guys. <laughs> all right, everyone take care. Bye.